What do you get when the audacious and the therapist collide? A crash course in unpolished therapy. Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca aren't afraid to spin out of control, tackling all the tough talk. Their weekly sesh meets at the corner of Audacity and Advice, where their wheels and yours get turned upside down. Hey guys, happy Wednesday. It's Rachel Silver Cohen and Dr. Boca. Another episode of Unpolished Therapy. We have ditched the couch. We've grabbed the mics. Dr. Boca and I are jumping right in. Hi, Dr. Boca. Good morning. Good morning, Rach. Happy Wednesday. Happy, happy Wednesday. We love our Wednesdays. We do. I look forward to this. I really, really do. I don't know if I look forward to it more because I just love spending time with you or because I know half the week is over. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say you like it because you know that you can just be really good at your job and talk me off the ledge most of the time, right? An added bonus for sure. (laughs) But I'm just, you know, I'm just happy to be here. Let's leave it at that. Cool. You know what I'm happy about? I just want to share something, which I guess I was late to the party on. It's one word that I have now kind of jumped into every day. It's part of my, you know, we all have our rituals and our routine and people get up in the morning and they have their coffee and they do this and some people pray and other people go out for an early morning run. Do you shit? Like, what is this word? Nope, it's not shit. Although it's always a great day when we can get that over with first thing in the morning. Amen. Ready, everybody? The word is wordle. Wait, wordle? You don't know about wordle? What's a wordle? Okay, so ladies and gentlemen out there, I love when like I can fill Dr. Boca in on something because normally she's filling me in on things that I don't know. So Wordle apparently is like the new word game that everyone's going bananas over. And I had seen it a little bit on social media and I kind of just ignored it because I think I told you guys a couple weeks ago, I'm kind of like, bailing out on social media a little bit. But when it comes to words, and last week we we're talking about the whole loving being a wordsmith and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. So any kind of brain teaser that has to do with words and using your brain is something that actually makes me smile and happy. So Wordle. Wordle is a new brain twister, tweezer, whatever. You can look it up. Every day you get this little puzzle and I think it's five letters or something and you have to kind of figure out what the word is and you get five or six chances, something along the lines. I'm kind of new at it, but I love it enough that I just wanted to share it with you. If the letters are right that you're choosing, it comes up green. If it's in the right space, if the letters you're choosing are wrong, they come up gray. If the letters you're choosing are right, but they're not in the right, right chronological space. They come okay. up yellow. It's kind of the new phenomenon that everyone is kind of talking about, playing about. Now, the one thing I will say is, you know how they always say, if a tree falls in the woods, does it make right. a sound? Okay, so if you play Wordle, but you don't tell the whole world on social media that you're playing, are you really? you're not playing. <laughs> I am here to tell you, I am not posting it on social media, but I am playing. I love the Wordle and I want to just, I just want to share it with you. Okay, so I'm really confused. Are there like are there like clues about the word that you're supposed to fill in? Is it just you're just supposed to guess what the five-letter word is that they're thinking? Like you have ESP of some sort? Is there anything given to you? No, there's nothing given to you. I guess you have to have a little bit of ESP. I have learned... Again, I'm only like a week or so into this, so I'm a newbie. But I think that there are some tricks to the trade relative to in your first shot at figuring out the word. If you have 26 letters, I guess maybe try to throw in a lot of vowels. So it's like you know, Wheel of Fortune. In the beginning. And 
kind of break it down from there. I don't know. This is not the topic today. I, I know, just but this wanted is to the, share the word wordle with you. I, it's well, also just such a fun word. Well, yeah, it's a totally fun word. And I was really excited about it. And I'm thinking, oh, it's probably like a sniglet or something like that, which probably nobody knows what a sniglet is. But it, it's a word like an asshole is a sniglet. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, mm-hmm. somebody who asks for advice and doesn't take it. That's a sniglet. So I love sniglets, but I have no idea what this is. And honestly, I have a hard enough time trying to understand and mind read what my husband's thinking, what my kids are thinking, what my patients are thinking. Like, I don't think I'm really going to spend a lot of time wordling, but I do agree. It is a very fun word to say. And honestly, Rachel, if it makes you happy, I'm so happy that you found something that is entertaining and get your mind going and you like to wordle. So mazel. Fine. So you just keep it all in your girdle and I'll <laughs> stick with my wordle. All right. Perfect. You don't want a wordle? You don't want a wordle. Anyway, okay. it's not your thing, right? It's not my thing. It's not your thing. Well, it's my thing. And I'll tell you, I remember a zillion years ago when my kids were little, we used to watch one of the cartoons, I guess, on like Nickelodeon or whatever those kid channels are. And it was Little Bill. And one of the episodes in Little Bill was about what's your thing. And Little Bill was Is that Bill Cosby, Little Bill? Yes. Oh, yes. Which, you know, I guess today's world, Bill Cosby, I guess he's a no-no. We shouldn't be talking about it. But this was before we knew that Bill Cosby, I guess, was spending too much time in other people's girdles, right? (laughs) Instead of focusing on just the wordle. Anyway, this episode, What's Your Thing, poor little Bill was kind of bummed out because everyone in his family had like a thing that was their thing, right? The mom, I guess, her thing was maybe cooking or... And I'm kind of coloring in between the lines here on this, but let's just say her thing was photography or cooking. And I think the brother, he, Little Bill had an older brother. And I think the brother's thing was maybe he played a musical instrument. Okay. And I guess the father's thing was whatever his thing was. I don't know, maybe he liked to mow the lawn or read books or whatever. And poor little Bill, like he didn't know what his thing was, right? Oh, so kind of spent poor thing, right? <laughs> he spent the whole, you know, 28 minutes of the episode trying to find his thing. And not that this has anything to do with anything, but we are unpolished here. So we are in, in keeping with our theme of unpolishedness. In today's world, I have found that now broaching the almost 50 mark, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like amongst my contemporaries, everybody has a thing, but now the thing isn't, yeah, I go to yoga or I like to cook, or I'm in a book club, which all of those things are true. But somehow, Dr. Boca, our thing has now become like what ailment you have. Oh my God, yes. Oh my God. Are you finding that amongst your peers? Yes. And it's so crazy because like, I'm not as old as you are. Um, I just like to always put that out there. But um, it is just amazing. And I don't know if it has to do with the fact that we're so preoccupied with COVID per se. And like, so everybody's so hypercritical and hypersensitive to any symptom that they're having. If there's, because we've been in, you know, hiding for so long, people are yearning for connection and this is something easy to connect with, or they're, they're more vulnerable than they've ever been. But OMG, like I'm starting to feel like that when we did the episode with your dad and he was saying, yeah, we sit and we talk about what's your blood pressure and what doctor did you go to and what tests did you have? I'm starting to feel like, oh my God, we're there. We're there. 
Well, the thing is that I think is interesting, and, and the reason I'm bringing it up today is because I want you to speak to it from the non-therapy therapy piece, is that there's something almost connective, right, yeah. amongst all of us that I guess because of the COVID piece that has been universal, maybe pre-COVID, let's say, maybe a lot of people were much more guarded about what their medical ailments were or are. And now that we've kind of all come together, even though the irony is, is that we're all isolated, but right. we, but on the one hand, but on the other hand, we've kind of come together in this universal agreement that we're all kind of suffering, if you mm-hmm. will, from trying to avoid whatever this plague thing is. And right. as a result of that, it's created this conversation. Now, albeit the conversation of COVID is like the most nauseating, monotonous, <laughs> oh, here we go again conversation. But in keeping with that, I can't tell you how many conversations I have had over the last two years where someone will say, well, I'm autoimmune compromised. And then right. the other person will say, wait, you are? I didn't know you're autoimmune compromised. I'm autoimmune compromised also. And it creates a dialogue where we're not And I don't want to use the word ashamed because Mm -hmm. I don't want to put words or thoughts or feelings into other listeners' minds, but it doesn't really come up in conversation. At least it didn't as prevalently as it does now. And I'll say, I'll throw my hat in the ring. Guess what? I'm autoimmune compromised myself. And I've had psoriatic rheumatoid arthritis since I'm in college. And so many people in my world had, they're like, what? You have rheumatoid, what? And guess for many years, I didn't talk about it. And I didn't share what it was and how it impacted me or held me back or or now what I do want to go forward so that I can thrive. So might I ask, what held you back at that point? Were you even aware you were holding it back? Was it something that you felt awkward about or uncomfortable with, or it wasn't interfering with your life to the way that it is now? Like, What was behind that that kept you from keeping it, just to give us an idea of why other people might be keeping it? Well, I wasn't keeping it. I wasn't me, myself, pretending that I didn't have it. I guess just because for me, I mean, again, spoiler alert, vulnerability moment, I guess it kind of feels like, well, wait a minute. Like, Do I have like a demerit? Could there possibly be some embarrassment to like, I have an autoimmune something or other that like, I know it's not my fault. I didn't catch it. No one gave it to me. Mm -hmm. But like as a young girl, what's psoriasis or what's arthritis or like rheumatoid? Like these are like old lady words. And you're now in like the prime of your young adulthood. And it's like, what the fuck? Right? So there was, I, you know, I use the word shame loosely, but I mm-hmm. think it's important if we're being honest for the podcast and maybe to help other people out there, maybe when people have stuff, their thing, maybe they don't feel as comfortable sharing what their thing is because there is a shame piece or they're embarrassed or they feel like they should be this epitome of health. And if they're not, does that is there a blemish on them or no pun intended with the psoriasis, but <laughs> or like do you get a demerit? Right. So I was asking because I was just curious as to why do people keep this to themselves? And it could be as simple as when you were young, maybe even though you were treating it, it wasn't interfering with your daily life. And as we get older, it starts to interfere with people's daily life. But I think what COVID did for us 
was it brought us all back to equilibrium where we all just kind of got to this place where we were like, okay, when we go back into the real world, which we thought was going to be a lot sooner than it actually has been, we're going to go out there and we're going to be this authentic and real and vulnerable place. And we've shared this medical experience. So I think medical stuff has become more socially acceptable. And it's also allowed people to share their fear, particularly with autoimmune, because what was the first thing that we were told through all of this? If you're autoimmune compromised, you are now in a high-risk group. You now have to be cautious. So people got more scared and we attract similar things when we're scared. We want support. Similarly, I want to make, you know, because I'm the psychologist here, I want to make a parallel to mental health issues. When we were growing up, there was a stigma attached to mental health. And so people who had depression or anxiety or bipolar or schizophrenia, they would never say that they went to a therapist. They would never say that they were on medication. And then as time has gone on and there have been things like school shootings and media attention and big names who have come out and said, hey, I struggle with depression or I struggle with bipolar or we see suicides of Robin Williams and some other like incredibly famous, amazing people. It kind of neutralizes the shame. And so there we see, and the big question of the century is, is mental health getting worse or is the stigma getting less? And so I think what we're seeing now with, with autoimmune in particular, but other disorders also, is we're seeing a lot more people who seem to have it. And I do think there has been an increase in time because of food and ingredients and environmental stuff. There are more people, but I also think the stigma has reduced. I think so too. And in a way, I think there's something really heartfelt about that. And you know, me, I say it tongue in cheek and I laugh because that is my defense mechanism. But like I'll sit around the table with a bunch of friends and we've now completely graduated past, you know, does anyone have an extra pair of glasses because I can't see the menu? And now we're like, oh, my celiac and I can't eat this. And oh, my Crohn's. And I'm like, Crohn's? Like I have colitis. I mean, And we're kind of laughing about it because it is. It's like everyone has got a thing. Like, I'm Absolutely. like, Bell's palsy? What's Bell's palsy, right? Or totally. Th- you, you have a thyroid issue? Is, is that hyper? Is that hypo? Oh. And we're now sitting around and we're engaging. And I know to some degree that someone without fail finally has to raise their hand and say, all right, you guys, enough. Like, <laughs> we're, we cannot sit here and talk about like, what issue you have and what issue you have and what you don't have and what you thought you had and how many doctors you've been to. Let's reel it back in and lighten the load. But there is something, again, we got to have some levity in the fact that, I don't know, I, I feel like for a million years, the biggest issue I ever had was, I guess, as a very young adult, before the whole rheumatoid thing, whatever, I think I had like a colposcopy once, right? Like What is that? To, like A colposcopy is like, they had to like scrape some irregular cells off like your cervix or whatever. Oh, right, right. Right? A leap and a cone thing? I don't even know. But like that was as dramatic as it got. Right. Right? I mean, let's face it. I don't even have a cavity, right? You don't? Wait, wait. Whoa. No. Not one cavity? Hello. I grew up in a house where like for dessert, we got a fluoride treatment. Okay. (laughs) That was what we had in my house. So for me, wow, that is something that, yeah, at almost 50, like, cool. Dental issues aren't my thing. I have other friends who every other minute, they need a root canal or they need a crown or mm-hmm. do you have an endodontist? And so I guess 
what I'm saying is, not to mention, let's just kind of throw in the loop, and I don't want to exclude the men out there, but the whole perimenopause and menopause and what goes on with our hormones. Yeah, but look at them and their prostate. Like, they have that issue. I mean, it's... And colonoscopies. Colonoscopies. <laughs> right? So it's... Or a gallbladder. I'll tell you what. Did you know... I know someone who doesn't have a spleen. Oh. First of all, I'm not even sure what a spleen does for your body. Yeah. Apparently, you don't, you don't even have to have one. <laughs> so, I mean, in that okay. case, I guess having a spleen isn't a big thing because you don't really need it to function. But between dialysis and and it's just diabetes, it's all of these E's and D's. And they can't just make it sound like you're a wordle. If there was a disorder that was called a wordle, like I'd almost be okay with it. But instead, it's like these scary itises and these oscopies and these four-word things that like you have to look up and you don't spell it right any single time. Like that shit's scary. It is. Would you suggest to the listeners and I guess to future patients or your own patients, and again, I just probably a good time to say to the listeners, this isn't real therapy. If you are suffering, certainly with mental health, but even any of a real physical ailment and you're struggling and you need some help and so on and so forth, please don't rely on Dr. Boca and I for any real sound medical advice, but reach out to your healthcare provider or if you are seeing a therapist or if you need assistance from Dr. Boca, you can reach out to her through a private message or whatnot. Right now, Dr. Boca and I are truly just having our fun Wednesday morning of unpolished therapy, which is unpolished therapy and not real couch talk therapy. But I would ask you, Dr. Boca, then, do you feel as though it's important to let people know? And I guess you'd think it would be obvious, but I guess maybe it's not that some people really do hide behind this wall of shame, discomfort, anxiety in and of itself of whatever the ailment is, embarrassment. And how do we convey to them that it's okay to, I'm not saying you have to, you know, take out a billboard and post on the open highway, you have diverticulitis. But isn't it helpful to let people know that they're not alone? Absolutely. I mean, I think that's such an important theme across everything in our lives is we are connected people. We build relationships. We need support from other people. And going through things alone is never recommended for our mental health. And guess what? If it's not recommended for our mental health and we're all anxious and worried and depressed and isolated and alone, that's what's exacerbating a lot of the physical ailments that people are having. Now, I do believe like everything else in the world, there's moderation here. And like you said, we can't be sitting at the restaurant, all of us sharing every ailment to the expense of enjoying other things in our lives. But we tend to see two extremes. We see people who are very ashamed of it and keep it in and they struggle on their own and it's lonely for them and scary for them and it's not normalized and they don't have the connection and compassion from other humans. And then you have the other people who use it as an excuse for so much stuff. And therefore, it is debilitating to relationships because they... are blaming it. They're right, blaming. They're, and, and they're expecting the caretaking and the pity and the people who are there to support them. They wind up draining those supports because they haven't talked to somebody 
professionally or talked to, dealt with all the underlying feelings of it. So what I would say is we want to be able to find people in our lives who are not going to judge us, but are also not going to enable us to sit there and become paralyzed with either fear or anxiety or use it so that they have a justification and a reason to not treat people good or to have hope in life or to not take the next step forward and use it to self-handicap themselves. So I just kind of want to point that out that it can go both ways sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, even the, the conversation when you are engaged with people and you're talking about things, these are heavy things. It's not right. like you're talking about where in Europe are you going this summer or where do you want to go for dinner tonight? I'm being silly, but it does elevate your blood pressure. That's another thing. You know, I'm raising my hand. Guess what? I forgot I even have high blood pressure. <laughs> and the crazy thing is you can be on a medication and have low blood pressure, but then the medication that you get put on because of the ailment that you have now causes the high blood pressure. So now you have two ailments just because you're trying to help one ailment. It's like, oh my God, it's like exponential here. I'm kind of segueing a touch, but I do find this amongst some of my friends or acquaintances for that matter. I guess on the one hand, I mean, I wish that there was a way to like find a statistic on this to get to be quote unquote middle-aged and Mm -hmm. what the statistic would be that at this stage of life, you would have nothing, like nothing quote unquote wrong with you from a medical thing, even if it's a little nothing or a big something. If there's anyone who just like, no, I mean, I take no medication. There's nothing wrong with me. I have no itises or issues or anything like that. They probably don't don't go to the doctor. Well, okay. But that leads me to the people who they're just on the constant, like they're literally in the HOV lane to doctors every day searching for things. And a friend of mine recently said to me that a doctor had said to my friend, cool it, stop looking. Because at this Mm -hmm. stage of the game, the more you look, the the more more you're going to find. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, I mean, I'm kind of talking out of like both sides of my ass because I mean, obviously we have to do things prophylactically. We know that we all want to do mammograms and Mm -hmm. you want to have a colonoscopy when you're of the right age and so on and so forth. But do you really need to take that deep dive into every single blood test to find out about a potential disease that you didn't even know existed? And then what? So I would say to you, I'll disclose for myself, there was a period of time where I was struggling with energy and somebody had recommended that I go to a functional doctor. And I was like, okay, but I like my doctor, like not a catastrophizer, not somebody who's like sending me to have every test under the sun. He's like, Lori, just like chill out. Like, let's see where it goes. Give it three months. If it doesn't get better, come back type thing. So I went to the functional medicine person and they did every blood test under the sun. And like, you know, you look at thyroid in general terms, they're only looking at TSH and they're looking at the bare basics. They're not going into level three, level four, level one, two, whatever, whatever it is. And so you're only getting like a little bit of a snippet. So on the one hand, when you go to your general doctor and they do a thyroid test, they're really not digging really deep. When you go to a functional medicine doctor, they're digging so deep. The more you dig, the more they come up with stuff. And so the next thing I know, I have like adrenal fatigue, okay, on my way to adrenal failure. Do I sound like I have adrenal fatigue at this point in my life? No. Okay, so they dug and dug and then they put me on supplements and supplements. And then they told me I had to get a B12 injection and sit there with like my arm out, like, you know, waiting for my next dose. And finally, I was just like, yeah, I don't know if this is really working for me. And I'm not really sure. So I went back to my doctor, who's like the non, like alarmist. alarmist. And he's like, Lori, do you feel any better? I'm like, you know what? I'm not as tired because you know what I did? I slowed down. 
and I'm getting better sleep. He goes, do you think it had to do with the supplements? I'm like, it could have, but do I really think it had to do with it? No, I think I made changes behaviorally in my life. Now, I'm not knocking functional doctors. I think they are great. What they are great for is when you get a marker from a primary or a specialist and they can't go any deeper or you're having a symptom that nobody seems to be able to address. I love the conceptualization of functional doctors because they do look at things from a different perspective. But in terms of going from one specialist to another to another, and we can take out the functional doctors, I was just using that as an example, and I'm not knocking functional doctors. I'm very much a holistic practitioner and I believe in that. But for somebody who is already preconditioned to do the HOV lean, you are correct. The more you dig, the more you are going to find. And I would say to people, when you have a symptom, you want to advocate for yourself to try to understand what that symptom means. But we also have to look at the totality, hence why functional doctors great as are traditional doctors. We look at the totality of the person. And so when you're going just to the gastro sometimes because they're a specialist in gastro, we lose the whole person in there. And so we don't have to keep chasing stuff just because a doctor says, hey, go to this place because this could lead to this, could lead to this. If you're not having symptoms and you're going for your routine stuff, I would say, okay, the chances of you having worst case scenario are slim. Would I say, don't follow it? No, I would never say that. I would say, give it a little bit of time, do the regimen that you were told to do, see if you have improvements. If you don't have improvements, then go back and see what the next step is. If you change everything at one time, which is like what we all do, it's like, okay, I'm feeling tired. So I'm going to start going to bed at seven o'clock at night. I'm going to start taking vitamins. I'm going to start only eating green vegetables and protein. I'm going to do yoga and I'm going to meditate. I don't know which one just worked for you. It's the same thing with all the other ailments. If you're changing everything and trying too many medications and going to talk to the gastro who's talking to the endocrinologist who's talking to this, you don't know what's really going on. So just You don't know what your thing is. You don't know what your thing is. You've got 8 million things. (laughs) Exactly. So I would never say if you have to advocate for yourself, you have to voice if you feel as though you're not getting the answers that you need. But again, everything in moderation because we can sometimes drive ourselves into producing an ailment by the anxiety of chasing it rather than looking at the totality of the symptoms and having somebody really spend some time understanding it in a totality, if that makes sense. Oh my God. Take a breath, okay? Okay. Because I don't want you to have like out of breath-itis, right? (laughs) I mean, that was a lot. And I'm wondering if the listeners out there, as you're talking and talking, my anxiety is going up a little bit. And you did speak to that, that like real physical ailments definitely impact the mental health of all of us. Anxiety. And vice and, versa. And vice versa. And yeah. bringing this full circle because this has been a whole medical thing of a podcast right now. My anxiety is going up. And I guess what also happens, and I think you touched on this, is that the real physical ailment potentially that might be your thing increases the mental anxiety and and vice bring, versa and vice versa and then kind of just bringing it full circle to what we started the conversation with covid pre-covid that the last two years have really heightened all of our anxiety and the isolation piece which mm-hmm. then makes the anxiety even worse and depression and things of that nature that we really do i think 
we need to share and we need to communicate and we can't be ashamed or embarrassed if we have these issues and ailments and whatever. Nobody is perfect, right? I mean, it it doesn't make you, there's nothing wrong per se if something is wrong, right? I mean, does Mm -hmm. that even make sense? But I think it's important because some of us, by us, again, I'm, I'm admitting that looking back, I really was so quiet for a lack mm-hmm. of a better word. And really, not that I need to be the voice box for any of my issues from a physical standpoint, but why not share and talk about it? And if I'm willing to talk about whatever the gamut is of the other unpolished topics that we talk about, why not? If I can help one person, and I'm putting that out there, if there's anyone out there that has questions, concerns, comments, they've been living with psoriatic rheumatoid arthritis, and they want to bounce ideas off of me or ask me what my regimen has been over the years, there's been a lot. There's been things that have worked, things that haven't worked. I'm happy to share that information because I do think we have a responsibility to level up and elevate a little bit and share so that we can help others. Yeah. And again, it works off of the model of like in mental health, we have group therapy and support groups for a reason, right? Talking about it, we can share things that work, things that don't. We have to understand that people are still individuals and we shouldn't take just because something works for Rachel and doesn't work for me that I shouldn't try something else. You know, we shouldn't just take it that it's going to work for us or not work for us. But there is safety in numbers. There's a universality to when we have a specific disease or medical condition or disorder, when I say there's a universality, there is a commonality amongst the people who are struggling with it that they feel heard, they feel understood, they don't feel alone, they don't feel like they have nowhere to turn. And that instills hope, right? And that instills a confidence and a forward thinking that oftentimes is the key to keeping anxiety at bay, keeping us on our regimen, keeping us accountable for certain things so that we don't exacerbate what we already are experiencing with things that we could actually control. So yes, Rachel, I give you kudos and props for coming out and saying and talking about it. And if you can help somebody or I can help somebody or anybody can help somebody, do it. It's amazing, but we don't want to be defined by it. And so I encourage everybody to just find that middle ground. Exactly. And, uh, you know, on that note, I'll say, so that's my thing, but that's not my only thing. And same with everyone else out there. We all have our things, but it's not what defines you. And I thank you, Dr. Boca, for helping us kind of work through this today. And I really hope that this episode shed some light and that people actually smile and say, hey, you know what? I didn't know that. Or now I can say what I have. And if, hey, everyone out there, if you have a thing and you want to let us know what it is, let us know. Let us know. Share. We always want to hear your comments, your concerns, your thoughts, your opinions, your questions. You can always reach out to us, you know, in this case, HIPAA, right? Right. We don't want to violate anything. So if you want to email us privately, you can always do that at unpolishedtherapy at gmail.com. But if you are willing to share publicly, Facebook and Instagram at unpolishedtherapy. And of course, our little Twitter account, that's pretty private because no one even tweets us, but you can... I guess find us there too. Tell us what your thing is at 
therapy on Twitter. Dr. Boga, my blood pressure is actually lower right now. I feel Good. I feel calm. It was high, then it was low, then it was high again. And now I kind of feel like the anxiety has dissipated. And that's a success in my book on a Wednesday morning with you. So I thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I appreciate the vulnerability. You know, I always love when we can go to that place. So absolutely. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. We're here next week, every Wednesday, same time, same station where we ditch the couch. We grab the mic. We break down all the wreckage. We'll see you next week. This has been Rachel Silver Cohen and DB, Dr. Boca for Unpolished Therapy. Great sesh, girls. Hey, everyone, like what you heard? Then don't miss out on what comes next. Subscribe now and please give the girls a five-star rating. Learn more at www.unpolishedtherapy.com. Find and like them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next week when Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca ditch the couch, grab the mic, and break down all the wreckage.